So I'm going to raise two, two passages of scripture. So bear with me as I quickly read through them if you have your Bibles. Thank you, sir. If you have your Bibles or your um, smart devices, because that's something that we all use now. First group of scripture will be found in Genesis, the 18th chapter. I'll be reading verses 16 through 33. And then, yes, Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 through 33. And then going to read um, the book of Jonah, the second chapter, a few verses, and the third chapter, a few verses there too. So starting with Genesis, the um, 18th chapter, reads as follows, the message translation, then God said, I shall keep back from Abraham what I'm about to do. Abraham is going to become a large and strong nation. All of the nations of the world are going to find themselves blessed through him. Yes, I've settled on him as the one to train his children and future family to observe God's way of life, live kindly and generously and fairly so that God can complete in Abraham what he promised him. God continued, the cries of the victims in Sodom and Gomorrah are deafening. The sin of those cities is immense. I'm going down to see for myself, see if what they're doing is as bad as it sounds, then I'll know. Abraham confronted God, are you serious? Are you planning on getting rid of the good people right along with the bad? What if there are 50 decent people left in the city? Will you lump the good with the bad and get rid of the lot? Uh, wouldn't you spare the city for the sake of those 50 innocent? I can't believe you'll do that, kill off the good and the bad alike as if there was no difference between them. Um, doesn't the judge of all the earth judge with justice? Abraham came back. Do I, a mere mortal, make a handful of dirt there, open my mouth again to my master? What if the 50 falls short by five? Would you destroy the city because of those missing five? He said, I won't destroy if there are 45. Um, when the men got up to leave, they set off a Sodom. Abraham walked with them and said goodbye. Um, the men set out for Sodom, but Abraham stood in God's path, blocking his way. Um, God said, if I find 50 decent people in the city of Sodom, I spare the place just for them. Abraham spoke up again, what if you only find 40? Neither would I destroy it for 40. <clears throat> he said, Master, don't be irritated with me, but what if there are only 30 are found? No, I won't do it if I find 30. He pushed on. I know I'm trying your patience, master, but how about 20? I won't destroy it for 20. He wouldn't quit. Don't get angry, master. This is the last time. What if you only come up with 10? For the sake of only 10, I won't destroy the city. 
when God finished talking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham went home. Quickly, we want to read um, the book of Jonah. Jonah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. And Jonah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. And I promise you, we'll tie all this together. So quickly, that second chapter of Jonah, first 10 verses says, Then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He prayed in trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. He answered me from the belly of the grave, I cried, help. You help. You heard my cry. You threw me in the ocean's depth into a wavery grave, watery grave, with ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Oceans gripped me by the throat, the ancient abyss grabbed me, and held tight. My head was all tangled in seaweeds at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me up from that grave alive, O oh God, my God. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God and prayed and my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, god frauds, walk away from their own true love. But I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving. And I'll do whatever you, whatever I promise I'll do. Salvation belongs to God. Then God spoke to the fish and vomited up Jonah onto the seashore. And the words of the Lord came upon Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, the great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Um, the word of God for the people of God, thanks be unto God. There are two things that happen in both of those scriptures um, that we have the greatest tendencies to do in our Christian journey. And that thing is, the theme of our lesson for tonight is bargaining with God. Bargaining with God. So we're going to dissect how um, both Jonah and Abraham, and we'll touch on some other people, bargain with God. Um, but why do we bargain with God? That's a question. You know, I, I've taught this class before, so you know, I, I love some, some dialogue between us. So why do we bargain with God? Why do we bargain with God? Okay. I wasn't expecting that answer, but okay. But why, why do we bargain with God? Come on, we, we're, we're humans, right? Why do, why do we bargain with God? That's true. That's true. What else? Why, why do we bargain with God? Why, why do we try to reason, if you would, with God? I was, I was hoping somebody... Somewhere says that. We want our way. We, we say that, God, God, I, I love you. God, for you I live, for you I, I'll die. But at the end of the day, in our Christian journey, we really want our way. 
when we pray and ask God for the things that we pray and ask him for, as soon as we get off our knees, whatever it is that we actually, we want to sit in right next to us, we want an answer as soon, we really want our way in this Christian journey. And so that's why when God does direct us and, and assign us to some things, that's why, just like Jonah, we tend to go the opposite direction. Because if anything, and, and Martin Luther King, we're getting close to Black History Month, he says our issue sometimes is that we, we, we'll take the first step, but we hesitate because we can't see the second. And we don't, when we don't know how the assignment is going to turn out, sometimes we begin to try to reason with God and bargain with God just so we can, you know. It's okay if on our Christian journey he tells us to do something and then he gives us the, the syllabus for any any um, teachers we have, the syllabus, and we can know what lesson comes after the next, after the next, so we can properly prepare for it. But in this Christian journey, there's really no syllabus, right? He tells us to take a step, and we have to take it. So, listen, into the lesson, why, why can't we make these bargains with God? So, one of the things, and, and, and my favorite my favorite quote that I've heard and even said myself probably a million times is, God, if you get me out of this one, I promise you I'll never do it again. And as soon as I think I'm in the clear, guess what Rodney does? The same thing he told God, if you get me out of this one, I'll never do it again. Rodney finds himself doing the same thing. What about our commitment to church? And God, my life is, is spiraling out of control, so I promise you I will go to church every Sunday. I promise you I will be in Bible study. I promise you I will go um, to Sunday school and Bible study. But as soon as life gets back easy for us, first thing that we do is forget about the church and our commitment that we, we made. So when we bargain with God, we bargain with God because we really, we really want our way. So let's look at some things and, and have some conversation about this topic of bargaining with God. <clears throat> the God is different in his leading and directing us, then we are willing to always accept. And it is that way because when God gives us something, at most of the times, it's a test for us to see if we're going to do what, one, what he asks us to do, and two, if we're going to keep our end of the bargain. And feel free, you know, to um, talk back to me anytime you want to. You don't have to um, wait or raise your hand or anything, okay? That's kind of teaching I like, okay? Um, so how many times they say, God, if you give me this raise, I'll, instead of giving you 10%, I'll give you 15%. Um, and God is not sitting in heaven just wondering how we would be able to handle our own finances or how that stuff will work out. But we tend to make those bargains with God. God, if you give me the house I want, or God, if you give me the relationship I want. Oh, God, give me the job I want. And I promise you that would change my tithing to the church. Um, 
what about when we are sickness in our bodies and, and we want our sickness healed? And we tell God, I'll go to church every Sunday. As soon, I'll open the doors of the church for you. Just take this sickness away from me. Or what about loved ones in our families that are sick and, and we believe that they're about to slip away from time to eternity? What is that prayer? What is that bargain we have for God at that point? God, just save them or, or, or heal my family member. The healing that we want from God is what? We want earthly healing. We never, ever want heavenly healing for our loved ones. Now, I believe that we're okay with it. I believe that we, we, we accept it. But when we pray the prayer, God, heal my, heal my family member, I mean, okay, um, the young man in the NBA who just passed away, Kobe Bryant, right? He was, he's 41. He would have been 42 in August of this year. My 29 made 42 three weeks ago. And I never really paid attention to his age, to Kobe Bryant's age. But when they showed 1978 to 2020, I immediately called my twin and said, wow, just think about it. This guy was our age. And at no time did I believe he or his family or anybody think that any day could be our day and we'll slip away from here. Because that's not the, the, the healing. We, we, we don't look at that as healing on our bodies. Who knows what Kobe Bryant was going through? All we saw him as, as this NBA God almost, this, this celebrity that everybody loved. And all of the, well, 95% of all the reports that they've been saying since Sunday have been pretty decent about the guy. And at no time could anybody think, that he would be one of the people that God will call away from here at such a young age. But what if he was going through something and needed healing that this world could not provide for him? Then indeed, he is healed now, okay? So, but when we, when we tell God, heal my family members, we don't ever really think they're gonna go from the hospital bed to the funeral home. We want them to go from the hospital bed back to their own beds, okay? Um, what about difficult situations um, that we find ourselves in? And we begin to bargain with God, saying, God, I promise you I'll stop it if you save me. I promise you I'll, I'll do right if you, if you save me this time. There's a, um, a good friend of mine um, said that she she asked God to deliver her son from alcoholism. And she said, just not, I, I just prayed and prayed, and all of a sudden I got a phone call and it said that he was arrested. And the charges against him is gonna keep him in jail for quite some time. She said, God answered my prayers. I had to think about that for a minute. You wanted God to take the bottle away take the urge away from your son. He did. Just differently than most of us would be willing to accept. I mean, my, my oldest son is, is eight, 18 now. 
I don't know how I would have been able, God would have had to, I would have been bargaining with God. And, and even if it would have been my son got arrested, I would, no, God, that's not what I, I don't want you to do it that way. Right. That's not what I want, because I wanted it, I would have wanted that to go my way. But yet, this young lady was rejoicing in the fact that God delivered her son from alcoholism. God answers things the way that he wants to answer things. Okay, so let's, let's look at some, um, some reasons why we should not bargain with God. And let's talk about these things. Um, one of the reasons why we should not bargain with God is because we then force God who forgives all. We force our God of grace and our God of mercy to keep score. Think about the, think about the statement. God, I promise you, if you get me out of this, I will never do it again. So now we're forcing God to, the same God that say, I will forgive you of your sins and, and throw them in the sea of forgetfulness. Now we're forcing that same God to do what? To begin to remember our sins. Each and every last one of our sins. We're forcing this merciful God, this gracious God, to not be as, 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 as gracious and not to be as merciful if we're telling him, God, if you get me out of this one, I will never do it again. We're forcing God, rather, to keep score versus being the God who loves us no matter what. Um, Leviticus, the 26th chapter and the 12th verse said, I shall be your guide and you shall be my people. And that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And if we look in back in Genesis, one of the key verses that we read where Abraham bargained with God, where he went from 50 down to 10, and when the angels of God got to Sodom, did he find even 10? Not at all. But God was willing to have the conversation with Abraham because God knew. God knew that there wasn't 50 people there. Huh? He knew all things. He knew it wasn't 50 people down there that, that would be considered righteous so he can save the city. So if we look at another thought of why um, we should not bargain with God, we force God to put our plan versus his plan on the billboard right before us. Think about it. We force God to put his plan on one side, and we put our plan on the other side, and we compare our plan to God's plan, and we tell God that my plan is better than yours. 
We tell God, nah, -uh, do it my way. Do, do, what, do what I, this, this, this storm, this flood is, is coming, but send it somewhere else. Don't, don't send it to my house or, or my neighborhood or because, huh? Right, send, send it somewhere else because that's my plan and, and God, my plan has to be better than yours. But some people, even in the midst of that flood, life's got better. I, I tell everybody, and you guys, all you guys should know that I'm from New Orleans, and so when Hurricane Katrina hit, you know, there were some people who, oh, you know what, we've had storm after storm after storm, we're not going to evacuate. But you had some people who did, and never ever looked back at New Orleans ever again. They got to Houston and Atlanta and to other places and saw life differently and in their minds better than the situations they had currently, they never looked back. And I'm sure, because I was one of the people standing there praying, God, please don't let this hurricane hit our city. What are we going to do if, if the news reporter is right and if the hurricane does make landfall? in New Orleans that we won't even have a, what, what if the news report is right? And we won't have a home to go back to or, or a city to even call the city anymore. What if the news reporter is right? So God versus, versus giving any thought to what the news reporter said, God just sent a hurricane somewhere else. And like I say, the evidence of that storm for some people, life got better for a whole lot of people, okay? So we forced to tell God, my plan, God, is better than your plan. Another reason why we should not, another reason why we should not bargain with God is because we force God not to forgive us. Think about it. We force him not to forgive us. Why do we force him not to forgive us when we bargain with him? Remember, he's a promise-keeping God. But how many of us have broken our promises to God? Over, I, I don't want hands, because I, I don't have enough hands to raise for me and my broken promises to God. But think about it. Every promise. I say God is probably tired of hearing me say, God, I'm sorry. We force him not to be the forgiving God that he is. And we force him not to keep his promise to us, which he said that he will forgive us. If we ask, he said he'll forgive us. But when we bargain with him, we, we change the stakes of the game. We, we make, we, we're making God, or we, we're telling God, just, I got this, you know. I always say, we, none of us in this room, in this world, whatever, we can't handle being God for a day. Just imagine if you had an opportunity. We in Bible study, uh, it's not a lecture, but just imagine if we can be God for a day. 
how would this, how would this world turn out? I say for a day. <laughs> Just imagine. Just imagine. <laughs> to be God for a day. To have all the control, have all the power, to have everything go the way that you want it to go. Think about that. Okay, another reason why we shouldn't bargain with God. Scripture says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So if we're always trying to bargain with God and we never take a minute to just pray and talk to God, how is that communication? How is that communication between us and God? It's one way. Is it, is it really a conversation or more of, and I can't help to think of a parent talking to a child because we really don't want the children to, you know, if I tell my son something to do, you know, it's a period when I finish. I don't, I don't really want a response if I tell my son something to do, okay? So we really take the, uh, the, the open lines of communication that God has established for us and we make it one way. And as soon as we hit a brick wall from our one-way conversation, then what we're doing, God, I'm sorry, they go that, that, that's that phrase again that we've said a million and one times over and over again. So when we bargain with God, we're really, we really don't want God to say, uh, you know, um, ne negotiating the thought of negotiating. Do we really want God to really negotiate back and forth with us when we're trying to bargain with him? Mm -mm. Because if we were really trying to get God to negotiate with us, we would just let him have his way. I would think we would just let God have his way and do whatever it is that God is gonna do. If we're gonna negotiate with him, because when you negotiate, you say something, I say something. I say 10, you might say eight. I say, well, give me nine then. We go back and forth. But when we bargain with him, we cut all that off. We cut off the, the direct communication. We, in Sunday school, you know, we've been talking about Solomon and, and, and his posture of praying to God and how he, how he prayed and what he prayed, what he prayed for. And he was, he was clear. He was, he was very detailed about what he wanted God to do. And not only that, he, re, he reminded God of his promises. Remember your promises that you made to my father. And, and, and so when we bargain with God, we cut up all that open communication. We put ourselves in a position to where, and I know the Bible says God will never turn a deaf ear to his people, but we, we really put ourselves with God just, I don't want to hear anymore. Okay? Another reason why we should not oh, another reason why we should not bargain with God is because do we really indeed think we know what's best for us versus God? We don't know what's best for ourselves. Even, even if, once again, if we were God for a day 
and we can script out everything that we want. Do we really know what's best for us? We don't. So what if God indeed then gave us everything that we wanted when we asked for it? We all would be jacked up right about now. Completely thrown off, heads bouncing against the wall or off the walls, however you want to say it. Our lives would be in disarray if that was to happen. If we were to pick everything, if we would tell God we know what's best and God you don't know what's best for us. Any questions, comments, or concerns with that? Let's jump over to, um, to the story of Jonah. And let's dissect that into the thoughts of, of, of bargaining with God. So let's invert the story. Let's talk about the end and work our way to the beginning. At what point in time in the conversation did Jonah bargain with God? At what point in time did Jonah bargain with God? Was he when he was in Nineveh? And the first time God told him, well, when, when, when he was sent to, uh, assigned to go to Nineveh, was it then? Did he bargain with God when he got on the boat? Did he bargain with God when he got thrown off the boat? Once and only then, when he got into the belly of the whale, did he begin to bargain with God. So, huh? What the, and I wanted to, to reel that thing back home. It's only once we get into some extreme trouble do we really, some translations of the Bible say Jonah came to his senses. It's only when we find ourselves in extreme trouble do we really then come to our senses. So he didn't, he didn't bargain with God until he found himself into some trouble that he could not get himself out of. And not all trouble is meant to kill us. Not all problems is meant to lead to our de demise. Because if, if, you, if you think about it, um, God could allow him to stay in the water and not send the well his way. And then how was he going to talk to God with a mouth full of water? God could allow the, the well to be so far away from the shore that when the well did vomit Jonah, out of his belly, he could have went right into the water. God made it so that when Jonah began to come, when Jonah came to his senses, he was close to the shore. And Jonah went from a place that some of us would not think is safe, but in the midst of problems for Jonah, that was God's way of keeping him safe. And allowing him, if anyone, um, you know, we have our, our prison ministry, and um, Deacon Terry, I, um, I laughed at myself when we went to, we got inside of the gate. Um, and, you know, we had to be escorted everywhere we go because um, we were doing, you know, the yearly service that we do at, um, at Angola. But the most heart-wrenching thing in there 
was when we were inside one room and they had one gate closed. And then when they begin to close that other gate and it slams shut just like you hear it on the TV, my heart dropped. And that made me think of solitary confinement. And, and some of these prisoners get into so much trouble that they put them by themselves. And the hope of solitary confinement is for what? Thinking that the prisoner themselves would come to their senses and when they get back into the population that they will act like they should. So the bill at that well was just solitary confinement. A moment where God can separate Jonah from everything that Jonah felt like he had going on in his head. For Jonah to come to his senses and say, okay, God, I give up. He bargained with God at the moment he found himself in trouble. So let's rewrite the Jonah story. And hopefully rewriting the Jonah story will help us better in our Christian journey. When God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, what if, just what if, Jonah would have said, okay, God, talk to me. Do you really want me to go to Nineveh? Opening up the lines of communication for God to then say to Jonah, well, yes. There's an assignment that I have for you to do. So, of course, I want you to go to Nineveh. And then for Jonah to raise all of his concerns to God. Well, God, I feel like I'm not adequate. Well, we all feel like we're not adequate for assignments that God placed on our lives. So if we rewrite Jonah's story, Jonah could have had the conversation with God when God gave him the assignment. And for some reason in Jonah's mind, he felt that I can run away from God. And in his mind, maybe he thought, well, if I run, then I don't have to worry about the assignment that God has asked me to do. Right? I found myself, um, it's now going on four years that I've accepted my call and, 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 and actually preached and do everything that God asked me to do. Um, but it's 12 years now. It took a lot of running from me to really think, God, you really want me? You really want me to preach? Out of all these people in the world, why me? And instead of having a conversation with God when he called me, I did like Jonah did. So as I'm preparing this lesson, I'm like, well, I could just tell my life story. Because it was no different than what Jonah did. And if we're all honest with ourselves, even though the assignment may not be like myself and Jonah, where you've been called to preach, we all have been given assignments from God. And when we tend to go the opposite way from where God wants us to go, we find ourselves in, in trouble, just like Jonah found himself in trouble. And in the belly of the well in solitary confinement, and then for God to tell me, okay, Rodney, I'm going to give you one more chance. I need you to preach my word. We've been cool ever since. I promise you, I, I have not told God no, not once. But Jonah bargained with God 
only when he found himself in extreme trouble. Instead of having a conversation with God when he should have had the conversation with God. And the end of that story is God never gave up on Jonah. So if we look how much Jonah thought he would have gotten away from anything that God asked him to do, still God's plan turned out to be the better plan for Jonah's life. Okay? All right, let's go to another familiar story. We didn't read, um, we didn't read this, um, but we had discussed the story of Job and see how bargaining with God played in the life of Job. And we won't, we won't get past the first two chapters because that's where um, a lot of the bargaining took place. But who was the bargaining between, though? God and the devil. But who initiated? Who initiated the bargaining? Okay. Some, some scholars and some people believe that God initiated the yeah, bargaining. They believe that God initiated the bargaining. So let, let's, set, let's set the story and keep it in line with the bargaining. Um, Satan appears with a whole bunch of angels. He's hanging out, right? So who initiated the conversation? What are you doing?
find ourselves in a position of any bargaining, that's the bargaining that we should want. The bargaining that God initiates only because he knows that no matter what happens, Rodney gonna stand up straight and he gonna take whatever I send his way, he gonna take it mm -hmm. because he's know I got his back. Yeah. Any questions on that? So let's go to, um, let's look at another, another. We, we, we mentioned it, but I want to, um, the thought of um, the phrase, and I, you may have heard uh, some preachers say this, um, favor ain't fair. Favor is not, I say ain't, I'm sorry manager that's favor ain't fair but we've we've heard that statement or we should have heard that statement from some people because you really have people who would say that favor ain't fair is it a true statement is that a true statement Because I don't want, I don't want him to justice what justice
doing what God has asked you to do. And that's what causes the leads to us bargaining with God. Come on, God, you right down the street. I see you, man. I'm, I'm using the English stuff. I see you. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, this mic is. Mike and I are over here just contemplating on the fact that we want God to be merciful as well. Yes, we want we want God, we want God to be everything. Just for the context of the of the lesson, I know we're talking about fair versus just, but we really want God to be everything. We want him to be fair. We want him to be merciful. We want him to be just. We want him to be gracious. We want him to be forgiving. We, we want him to be a healer. We want him to be a comforter. We want him to literally be everything. But see, that posed a question. Are we everything to God? No. We're not. Which is why then I want my God to be just. Now, there, there is a level of God's blessing that's abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. But that's when favor is that's, that's when you get to the point of favor ain't being fair. Because I believe that he's going to bless those who deserve those blessings. Now, think about it. God doesn't pay us um, um, as, as, as our sins so deserve. No. Nowhere near shape, form, or fashion. Um, so, so that means he will allow us to live even though we should die. He'll allow us to keep waking up in the morning and give us a portion of our health and strength. I, I never knew what that meant. I got a little older than yeah. a portion of health and strength. I know. I know. Just enough. Just enough. Any questions? Any comments? touched on it, but we, we're, um, we're in the lesson with this. Um, we bargain with God probably the most um, related to our sacrifices to him. I, I, I was laughing. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a mama's boy or that. I'm, I'm a parent's kid. I love my parents to death. Um, and so every Sunday, we, we play um, a game to see who will call who first. Sunday was comical to me because it was raining. And I told my mom, I said, church, church box is going to be empty on Sunday. She said, why do you say that? I said, because rain boots and umbrellas don't work on Sunday. <laughs> for church. It worked for when we go to work. It worked when we go anywhere else. For some reason or another, rain boots 
This weather is not conducive. I don't have hair, but that's my hair. Or my clothes. Or, or, or I might get sick. But once again, we break open the doors of, of our job. Yeah. He showed all the things that we refuse to do and sacrifices that we refuse to make to him because of our own selfish intentions. Oh God, I can't pay my tithes because I have a hundred dollars left in my bank account. I made a thousand dollars this week and my tithes is a hundred dollars. I don't know how many more hundred if I pay you the tithe. But yeah, we refuse that. on Sunday, I won't be able to, to talk when I get to work on Monday. And I'm pretty sure there's a pen and a pad somewhere. And we can write down everything we want to tell our coworkers, but we should not allow that to stop us from sacrificing our talent to God on Sundays. So bargaining with God doesn't really benefit us at all. Even though for the moment we think it does. Even for the moment we think, okay, if I bargain with God and God, we got this relationship and God is going to hear me and he's going to give me my way. At the end of the day, it doesn't work out in our favor. Because we do force God to keep score. We do force him not to forgive us of our sins the way that he wants to. Mm -hmm. Remember, not only does he want to forgive us of our sins, he want to throw them so far away the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness where it won't be remembered anymore is what scripture says but when we bargain with him we force him to to keep score we force him to we we force god to feel that his plan is second to our plan hmm. i i remember um going through school and it was just something i said I, god i just i want you to bless me to be an educated black man with all the stuff going on, I want to defeat the eyes. Mm -hmm. And he allowed me to, to get through my first degree, and I got through my second degree, and got to the third, got through it, and got to a doctorate program of leadership in an organization, organizational leadership. And everything was just going so great, but it was just, I still felt empty. to get everything that I wanted out of the deal. And then when I got to that, that terminal degree is what some folks call the doctor's degree, because there's no more after that degree. That's it. 
allow all that to come to a screeching halt and say, oh, no, brother. This last degree is mine. Yeah, I, got this. I got this one. And in the midst of me thinking everything was going right and all my prayers and God allowed me to get this education, this degree, and this degree, this degree, he put, he put, he made it so to where that last degree was definitely his and would not allow me to escape from it no matter what. Couldn't, the professors couldn't understand, oh, you're doing great and you have great grades. Why, why you want to withdraw? I said, even if I told you, I don't think. So at some point in time, my brothers and sisters, our bargaining with God has to come to an end. Mm -hmm. And we have to live our lives the way God wants us to live our lives. We have to go ahead, sir. to see how that would turn out. It's not. Well, you know, that the reason for that was because sometimes even now, uh, when I get caught preaching something, mm -hmm. a certain fear come on, but it's not the kind of fear that we look. It's the fear of reverence. 